0: Welcome to the D&D Character Lab. Welcome to the D&D 5e Character Lab Podcast. With your hosts, Karen and Dan. Welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around the one thing we as players cannot resist.
1: Opening mail. That's right. We know you love letters from grandma, letters from grandma, packages from mom and dad, eviction notices from your landlord, just something so warm and fuzzy about physical mail. But we wouldn't know anything about that because we've asked some listener questions for our first ever mailbag episode, and the questions came pouring in via email, Facebook, message, Twitter, and any other impersonal media we can think of.
0: Yeah, I actually had somebody yell a question at me while I was driving this morning, and uh, I really appreciate everybody's enthusiasm for this episode.
1: Oh, that was me. I was asking you why your headlights weren't on.
0: Like, no, no, you're right. Like I said, everybody's response has been just so overwhelming. And what do you say we just open up this first listener letter, shall we?
1: You have your digital letter opener on you?
0: I do, and, and, and it's from at Fantasy Ecology on Twitter. He asks, when you go into a new one-shot or campaign, are there any classes or races you find yourselves leaning towards? He also made the comment of, I'm really looking forward to your hashtag Tome of Foes episode to see what you guys think of it. That aired a couple of weeks ago, so be sure to check that out. Garen, do you want to go ahead and start us off with answering this question?
1: This is actually a, a harder question than it seems, because the first when I looked at it, the first thing that pops into my mind is Cleric. I love Clerics. There was a campaign you and I got into where I was immediately right into Cleric. But now I find myself, especially with this show, okay, I'll do a cleric. But then the more I think about it, like, well, but you know, a druid would be fun in this circumstance. It's the reason I think we're doing this show, because it's so crippling to decide on just one character.
0: Well, it also can be really overwhelming to digest a lot of these classes' abilities. And doing this show has helped me get a little bit more familiar with paladins and just the vast amount of abilities they have. I really didn't like rogues and now in our current campaign I'm playing a rogue. I've always been super fond of monks but I enjoy playing them as well. Yeah I think you hit it right on the head. This show has actually made that a little bit more complicated because I'm finding appreciation for all of the classes.
1: And I'm even playing a little bit of a paladin right now. Barbarian paladin. But as far as races go I have such a soft spot for furbolgs I think that they have a fun set of race features, and I love the purely natural theming of them. Plus that art in the Volo's Guide is, it, I mean, you just want to hug it.
0: Yeah, and uh, speaking of Tome of Foes, there are a few really cool races that I want to try in there. There are some really cool Tiefling sub-races, but also the Gith races and sub races that they have in there look really fun
1: dan so. i feel like you're having a, a bit more of a sway towards grittier characters would you say that's true oh definitely yeah you're like in that edgy darkness to what they have
0: i do i do like that yes
1: i'm gonna segue from this question right into a question from eric silver on twitter which is have you played a monk yet dan
0: Yes. So actually, the second character that I ever played, Cloud of Distant Rain, who has been free- featured on this show, I did play in a Roll20 campaign briefly, but I am currently also playing a drunken monk, Bugbear monk, that I'm going to multi-class into a beer domain cleric uh, featured in Midgard Heroes Handbook from Cobalt Press. So the answer is yes, and I love them, and I may be in the minority there, but absolutely love that class.
1: I think a monk is a pretty popular class, and bugbear monk, especially we've already seen in your first combat, was a lot of fun because you've got a 10-foot reach. That's knockout power.
0: They also have surprise attack on, uh, basically, if you catch somebody off guard in your first attack, you get an extra 2d6. So, pretty cool.
1: I have not played a monk before, but I would definitely be open to it. But I think there are some classes that are going to definitely shove their way ahead in the line as I get more opportunities to be a PC.
0: So... Let me segue into the next question from at Fantasy Ecology. He asks to hear the story behind the two of us deciding to channel our love for character creation into a podcast. He's also curious who our favorite creations in the lab are thus far. So, Garen, why don't you go ahead and let the listeners know the origin that is the D&D Character Lab.
1: It just came down to us starting to buy third-party content, especially, and seeing the vast amount of options that were out there and once we were really kind of diving into that we started building characters and sending pictures to each other of these character sheets like look what i came up with or even just sending a text with like a character concept and dan and i got together one night and all we did that night was drink whiskey and look at dnd books in my kitchen and i think we did that for like two and a half hours or something
0: very little conversation <laughs> occurred
1: <laughs> no no apart from just dude read this Oh my God, have you seen this ability? A lot of that. Somewhere in the conversation, you know, of course we're having whiskey too, and I said we should do this as a podcast. A couple of weeks later, we recorded our first episode, and it is, it is rough to listen to, but we're glad the to be fear, here now where we are.
0: The fear is palpable in that episode.
1: <laughs> yes. You
0: can, you can hear us just slowly taking our time, like reading off of a piece of paper or something. I don't know what we were doing. But this year, almost year, that has gone by since then has absolutely flown, and I'm happy that we ended up doing it because building these characters week after week, I feel as though I get a more intimate feel as to these abilities and how they would be used in the game in all of these third party creations. It basically gives me a deeper appreciation for the amount of work that goes into these things as well.
1: Yes, very well said. And speaking of the amount of work, I would say that some of the work that we put into here that is my favorite, I'm going to start with my fifth episode character, Grand Granbell, the Goliath bard that used a broken bell as a shield that he also rang. I, I would like to play that guy still someday. That was a really fun concept that I came up with, and I think it just brought, it really set that character off for me
0: good choice i mine would have to be daniel robbins the dampier sorcerer that i made uh using a variety of Cobalt press works but all of that can be found in their midgard heroes handbook i'm a huge fan of their stuff just because it can give you really deep character creation so that was one of my favorites a lot of cool abilities there a little dark and sinister but you can still plug it into a, a campaign and have it be a good guy
1: Mm-hmm. I like that one. I liked your evil character, your Ericokra, that ended up killing everybody in the name of his cult. And I know you loved Menog's sweet touch.
0: <laughs> so what at Fantasy Ecology asks, again, what are your favorite hardback adventures that you've run or played as a player for 5e? So, Garen, you have DM'd Tyranny of Dragons.
1: Yes. And we played a little bit in Curse of Strahd and we've played, we're currently playing in Tomb of Annihilation. My favorite of those right now, has got to be Tyranny of Dragons.
0: Same. Loved it. Uh, That
1: that was a really fun, linear story. It went from set piece to set piece. It was very exciting. And also, as I'm such a classic Wizards and Dragons nerd, I mean, you got to fight dragons as the bad guys, and you got to interact with good dragons. That's all I really wanted out of a story. So, to get to DM that especially was a lot of fun.
0: (laughs) Yes, it it was comprised of dungeons and dragons, and it, like like you said, it was linear, but not insultingly so. You just always, as a player, knew what your purpose was and why you were doing something. Which I know sounds kind of stupid, but in the more sandbox adventures like Strahd and Tomb of Annihilation, it can get pretty easy to go on a mission but actually lose the idea of why you're doing it.
1: Mm-hmm. And if you haven't played it, I won't ruin anything here, but you, ha- but if you have, I think the Red Wizard's Tower Hedge Maze was one of the funnest set pieces I've got to play in. <laughs> that was really cool. Uh, so Dan, I'm going to ask you from Adam Buxton on Facebook, and I think you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but what class has surprised you the most?
0: I would either have to go with Rogue or Paladin. I just, I wasn't super thrilled with either of those classes, but man, I could even argue Barbarian. There, there's some really beefy characteristics of a barbarian that I just didn't know about. You had mentioned to me the subclass Animal Totem Bear. That's,
1: Primal Totems, I believe it is.
0: And they have like resistance to everything or something like that.
1: Yeah, while they're raging, they only don't have resistance to psychic damage.
0: That's insane. That's very so, cool. That, I, that's another really hard question to answer, but I would say Paladin and Rogue just because I was relatively unimpressed. They, they always were kind of nothing about being a strictly lawful good character in a Paladin or this sneaky little thief uh, in a Rogue really intrigued me, but I will say Xanathar's Guide to Everything came out and gave a lot of depth to both of those classes, and we've explored a few of those options on the show. And I would say that that supplement did a great service to the game. What would you say for this question?
1: Well, I'd agree with you. Both of those classes really came around for me as we did the show but my number one would have to be warlocks yeah i don't gear towards dark characters very often if i'm gonna browse a bunch of classes i'm probably gonna start skipping over the ones that sound inherently evil and so just my initial impression when i started getting into the game was warlocks are probably kind of evil and i was very wrong on that of course but also the invocations are very unique and the roleplay factor is huge with warlocks it's a lot of fun right now, and especially for any Critical Role fans out there, what they're doing with Ford and his patron, this underwater whatever it is, we don't even really know yet, but man, it's such it's such cool stuff that you have a chance to do, and it adds another layer to your character.
0: So going off that, Adam Buxton continues with another question that says, which class would you like Wizards to redo? I think Garrett and I are probably on the same page with this, as is most of the D&D community but i'll just go out and say i for me it's ranger without question
1: it is ranger yeah i mean and that's kind of a like you said a simple answer cuz a lot of people would agree to that the the one thing maybe i would try and elaborate on is i feel like we could use a couple more wizard and cleric options and i know that's kind of that's kind of asking a lot because they have so many options already but they're very Fluid classes. You know, there's so much you can do with these schools of magic or these divinities, so why not add a few more?
0: I will agree with you there. I would like to see more wizard subclasses.
1: Dan, I'm going to go back before we get a little bit more into DD. I'm going to ask you a question from Eric Silver, who is the DM for Join the Party, if you don't know. And Eric Silver wants to know who our dream guests are on the show.
0: I would say to have on the show. I would like to have a member of Critical Role. I would also like to have Wolfgang Bauer from Cobalt Press because I think the guy's a, a mad genius. Or Dan Dillon. I know that's a lot of people, but that would be my answer. Yes.
1: I would also like to have Will Friedell, who is who's big in the mini-painting world right now. But as a guy who watched Boy Meets World all the time, to get a chance to have Will Friedle on our show, that would like kind of complete my life in some way. <laughs> so... Adam Buxton also asked, what method of producing stats do you prefer? Now this, this is a nitty gritty here.
0: Yeah, so this was something that when Garen and I played in Tyranny of Dragons, uh, we rolled. But not just
1: rolled, Dan, we rolled six and took the three highest. That's correct. And that is arguably one of the most overpowered ways of rolling.
0: Absolutely. But I will say that (laughs) rolling in general can be really overpowered, and the only guaranteed way to have a level playing field with everyone at level one in your party and to make sure that you're not either just completely slaying everything at first level or severely underpowered at first level uh i would argue point by would be the only way to go
1: Yes, and and normally I would agree with you 100%, and that's why we chose to do 0.5 for the show, and also it made a level playing field, so you and I could never cheat in that way. We, we cheat in every other way. I did have a conversation with one of our patrons on Discord about rolling 4, D6, and dropping the lowest, and he gave me a link, and I was able to just run a couple of dry runs on that, and I saw that it, it does actually create very balanced options. Now, you could still potentially have a 20 at level one if you got three sixes and one other number you get your 18 you can add your plus two if you have your racial modifier but chances are when you're rolling four and dropping the lowest not all of your stats are going to be super high so i was actually open to that idea i think still in my home games i'm going to encourage point five because i like you said i feel like it's very very balanced but i uh, i have to come around on that one a little bit though
0: Okay, and so we have a question here from Stormbreaker that I'm actually very excited about. How does one avoid the allure of min-maxing and using, quote-unquote, dump stats? It's so hard sometimes to avoid, quote, well, if I use that 14 in decks, I can take full advantage of medium medium armor, plus who needs an intelligence or charisma in a cleric anyway. This is a great question because it gets to the whole premise of my philosophy and I believe Garen's philosophy behind character creation in general I create a character based off of their backstory I want to create this character and where they've been how they would think and then develop stats based off of that backstory.
1: Yes, Dan, I would agree to that. You know, having knowing who the character is, is probably the easiest way to avoid uh, making them overpowered. Because once you know who they are, you will also be honest with yourself as to what their flaws are. Because we, in real life, we all have flaws. We all have our weaknesses. And if you have weaknesses in the game, it's gonna make for a more interesting experience for yourself. So Stormbreaker, to put it plainly, we feel like it would be easiest to give yourself a weakness on purpose Because, yes, a cleric does not need intelligence or charisma. But if a cleric is passionate about their divinity, maybe they would have high charisma because they're evangelical about it. Or maybe they have high charisma because they hate the way the world works sometimes and they use that intimidation and deception to get their way and to push the agenda of their divinity. So that doesn't fit the stats of a cleric exactly, but it creates a more layered character.
0: Right, and so not to beat a dead horse on this specific question but one of the reasons that we have the spitting fire and the smooth operator portions of our show is to display how much fun the role playing can be and I, and also because charisma is a common dump stat so we like to put charisma on full display and show how much it can actually make for some really cool and interesting scenarios but also, you know, intelligence and wisdom can do this with your ability checks and make for some really cool role playing or some abilities that would be consistent with your character's backstory. So great question.
1: I'm going to beat this horse one more time. Actually, a perspective for dungeon masters, and it's something that I've been trying to implement a little bit as a dungeon master, is using intelligence, charisma, and wisdom roles to be as permanent as a strength or dex role if you miss an attack you miss if you miss a persuasion role to convince a character an npc of something that persuasion is a miss and they have to find another way around it because sometimes there is the temptation as the dungeon master i feel to allow the character to still kind of role play their way through a situation and maybe get a mixed success on what they were trying to accomplish put a hard line in the sand every now and then and you're going to force them to have those stats be worthwhile Good point. So Dan, before we get into a little bit more D and D questions, I do want to ask you from Oh, that's sketchy on Twitter, cake or ice cream?
0: Ooh, I'm a funfetti cake guy. Ooh. How about nice. you?
1: I am a carrot cake guy, but it's really hard for me to resist mint chocolate chip ice cream.
0: Okay. And she also asks, coffee or tea?
1: I want to say tea because it's healthier, but I I prefer coffee.
0: Same. I cold brew my own, and there's this I can't live without it. Coke or Pepsi? I would say neither. I don't really drink it.
1: If I go out to get a burger or something, I get a Coke. Okay. So we're going to answer a question that we put on Twitter, and I think it's a fun question. What cantrip would help you improve your job in real life and why?
0: That This is a lot of fun, and actually, I would I would choose Mage Hand. So I, I work from home, I do a lot of typing, and I sit in front of a computer all day. So I would use Mage Hand to give my wrists and hand a break and maybe have the Mage Hand draft me an email once in a while. What about you, Garen?
1: That's a good answer. You could even have a second computer set up at the same time. There you go. I'm an actor. I could get a lot of use out of thaumaturgy with extra sound effects and stuff like that. I could do some real fun stuff with prestidigitation, put some sparkles around my head, and finally friends. Because if you're an actor, you want the audience to like you, so I would make friends with the whole audience.
0: That certainly wouldn't hurt. All right, so, Garen, to conclude this mailba- mailbag episode, we got uh, a series of nine questions from our patron, Ben Potts, on Discord. So we're going to do this as a lightning round. No explanation. You just got to answer the question. We'll start out with favorite class.
1: Cleric. Monk. Question number two, favorite subclass. Scout rogue. Good answer. Ancestral guardian barbarian.
0: Ooh, all right. Uh, favorite character you've ever played?
1: Probably my Tempest cleric.
0: And I would have to say Cloud of Distant Rain. A lot of fun. Tabaxi Monks, if you haven't tried it, do it. Okay, favorite D&D podcast?
1: Does the Adventure Zone count? Kind of, not anymore. Now it's Monsters of the Week. Wizard on the Wind. Join the party. Number five, favorite official supplement?
0: I, I want to say Sword Coast Guide, Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide because it gets no love.
1: Good answer. I'm going to say Volo's Guide to Monsters.
0: Favorite unofficial supplement?
1: Tome of Beasts.
0: This one's easy for me, uh... Midgard Heroes Handbook by Cobalt Press.
1: Cobalt takes number six. Number seven, favorite patron.
0: Not going there. Number, <laughs> number, real seven. Favorite Disney princess. Merida. Snow White, because she's got a lot of little friends. I
1: would of, really love an explanation on that one, but okay.
0: Seven. She's got seven, no. <laughs> seven dudes you can hang out with and watch football. So favorite alcoholic. It's getting beverage. weirder. <laughs> favorite alcoholic beverage.
1: Single malt scotch.
0: Uh, mine would be a Session IPA, something low alcohol.
1: And number nine, favorite pizza topping, which is the most important question, pepperoni.
0: Mushrooms. Okay. Wow. That's it, I think. Wow. That is it.
1: Unless you want to explain any more about why you really like Snow White.
0: I think I'm good. So that about (laughs) wraps it up for our first mailbag episode. We're happy to do more of these in the future. Should you guys have any questions for us, just shoot them over to us at dndcharacterlab at gmail.com or you can check us out on Twitter or Facebook at dndcharacterlab.
1: Thank you for all of your support and for continuing to listen to the show. As we mentioned, we've been doing this for almost a year now. It has been a dream to do this and we look forward to more and more in the future. We look forward to having... More unique content to bring to you, more exciting guests. We do have some planned for the future that we are stoked about. You know, we'll be back on Wednesday with another regularly scheduled character lab episode with fresh babies in the lab to battle it out.
0: We'll see you then. This has been a production of the D D Character Lab Podcast to follow us on twitter at dnd character lab or shoot us an email at dnd character lab at gmail.com most importantly make sure you subscribe to our podcast on itunes or the apple podcast app